God created all things good and they should be received with thanksgiving within his proper boundaries. But we have this other thing called sin that has infected our humanity and that sin is sort of a parasitic force. Um, it ruins everything and, and it makes good things be used in the wrong way. Hello, this is Pastor John. And this is Pastor Tim. And this is the Every Moment His podcast. And I don't know what episode number this is. Do you know? No, I don't know. Because <laughs> some people do. They say, this is podcast number 71. Yeah, I like that they think we're that organized. Yeah, I right. Appreciate, I appreciate Totally that. not that organized. <laughs> or like if you watch Jimmy Fallon, they yeah. always announce the number. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, Spencer probably knows. I he's, bet Spencer yeah, knows. He's kind of running the details on this one, which is... Yeah. Thank you, Spencer. Thanks, Spencer. But yeah. yeah, no, this is episode number... We don't know. It's... 45 or something like that. Maybe. It's yeah. kind of 45-ish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so today, what are we talking about, Pastor John? We are talking about the unholy trinity and uh, asking the question, do you know the unholy trinity as your enemy? Do um, you know your enemy? Yeah. I like. Would you like to be in my hard core heavy metal band which is called the unholy trinity wow <laughs> i can almost see the the cover of the cd like yeah gothic yeah. lettering yeah. and like yeah ashes today's yeah. ash wednesday we could we could play that up. ashes yep uh yeah so the unholy trinity we're talking about um the flesh the world and the devil yeah so let's take those one, two, three. First, I got a dad joke. Yeah. You want to hear it? <laughs> you don't have a choice. <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right. So the dad joke is, what do, you, what do you call it when you have been in a coronavirus lockdown and stuck in your home and nothing has changed? California. <laughs> homeostasis. Oh, homeostasis. Uh, kind of highbrow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> homeostasis. Wow. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, that's pretty good. There you go. All the all the uh, science majors out there. And it's a Latin term, homeostasis. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The same. No way. Is that Greek? Same same status. Yeah. Yeah. Homoe, Something like that. Stasis. Means, I, okay. This is not a podcast <laughs> about, <laughs> about linguistics <laughs> or. Uh, well, is it anastasis? It means you're s the same standing. Right. No, and let's it. keep moving. Let's keep moving. Well, this is good. Though. <laughs> we're getting to so it. we're talking about the world of flesh, the devil. And Kay. I think it's important that we talk about this as we enter Lent, because our sermon series is really about temptation. It's about struggle. It's about battle with really the old things. The mm. We call this the old Adam, the old age. And... Um, that is opposed to the new Adam, the new creation, the new man, the new woman that God has created in holy baptism. And for the baptized believer in Christ, you know, we are involved in a battle mm -hmm. and it's a struggle and the struggle is real. And it's very important that we know our enemy. That'd be a good name for a sermon series. 
Yeah, the struggle is real. Yeah, yeah should somebody should do that someday. Yeah. <laughs> Sometime <laughs> so soon, maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe like right now. <laughs> so, uh, but also I think that often, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, often I think that people misunderstand Christian terminology when we talk about mm. we're fighting against the world, the flesh, the devil. Like yeah. we misunderstand these terms and sometimes I think it can do damage to even the integrity of our faith mm. or the goodness <coughs> of being human or this creation. And so we want to talk about these three particular enemies that we have, but in such a way that we rightly understand them Yeah. and then also do battle. So we kno actually know our enemy and not yeah. a caricature of our enemy or a misconception. Mm -hmm. So um, Should we start with the world. Sure. Yeah, so the world, um, when, when we say that the world is an enemy against our spiritual natures mm -hmm. and our, our uh, restored natures in Christ, our inner man, as we're waiting for the, the resurrection, yeah. do we mean, Pastor John, that the physical world that we live in, um, with all of its, you know, with food and crops and jobs, are we talking about that as in just the physical creation is an enemy of ours? No, because if you if you think that's what the world means, we're we're moving into heresy. The big heresy in the early church was Gnosticism. And Gnosticism, we've talked about this yeah. before. It it ba and there's forms of it everywhere in our culture, um, if you look for it. It's this idea that the created world is is kind of like less ideal like the soul yeah. is better than the than the, f the flesh that the spirit is better than material and we really just need to escape this world and get to heaven that's actually a heresy that's that's false teaching right um, because god created this world good and the things that we receive in this world are blessings whether it be you know the rain the sunshine the crops beautiful walk in nature um marriage um, chocolate, chocolate, yeah. you know, coffee, all those things. And, and so we need to be careful that when we say the world, we are not talking about the world proper. Yeah. We're talking about the world as a, that's a word that means something else. And so when we say I'm not of this world or when we say don't follow the world, what do we mean? Yeah. So it's really talking about the cumulative forces of humanity and the like so the world culture we might say yeah that might be a decent way to say it like the we trends don't, the, yeah the times the we don't want to fall in step with the internet morality culture you might say yeah or we have all these isms yeah the world is often isms you know like whatever ism you can think of and we have to beware of that and you know a biblical picture that comes to mind is th is the tower of babel mm. and you get this in genesis 11 and really uh when we're talking about babel it's this organized rebellion against god yeah and so in genesis 11 you get you know everybody kind of gets together and they have this new technology the brick <laughs> and they're building this big tower uh and it kind of reminds us of the uh ancient uh, Sumerian or Babylonian yeah, uh, or ziggurats, ziggurats or, yep. yeah, uh, and they're basically building a stairway to heaven. Yeah, <laughs> to well, quote and it, it says in that, it, yeah, that's a good song. 
Uh, it's never, you can never play that song in a guitar store, though. You can't, no. It's <laughs> forbidden. It's forbidden. But if you look at that text, you know, in Genesis 11, you see that they're building a name for themselves that cannot be erased. And this is right after the flood. Yeah, and it, and it really stands in contrast to God in the next chapter calling Abraham and saying, I'm going to make your name great. Yeah, right. So this is like God's project is Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Israel, Christ, salvation. The hu human project is sort of self-salvation. Like we're going to build this huge tower and which probably would come at the expense of people's dignity. Mm -hmm. it, you kind of get this sense in, by the way, yeah, this comes right after the flood. You get this sense that God's saying things were super corrupt and violent before the flood. If I don't stop this, it's just going to continue. So it's a picture of what we call organized rebellion, mm -hmm. systemic kind of rebellion, yeah. where everybody's kind of drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah, I mean, we can look at different pieces of history, too, and just notice, you know, I mean, the communist regimes come to mind or, you know, Nazi Germany. Mm -hmm. Did you just see, like, look how powerful that force was, that cultural yeah. undercurrent? And, like, to be a Christian, a faithful Christian would be to, to forfeit a lot. And so that's part of what it means to be a Christian is just to say, I don't care what cultural forces the world can throw at me. I'm going to be faithful to Christ. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord yeah. no matter what what cost it is. And yeah. the world's going to laugh at that, right? Well, and I think uh, another ism that I think of is the is kind of the, the sexual revolution that kind of came about in the 60s and then it's just kind of cascaded <laughs> into more and more and more whatever feels good, do it. And, and so we as Christians, we want to be engaged in a struggle against like we're going to go against the flow of culture the flow the tide and and it's going to make us weird so we need to yeah. kind of embrace that that if you're living a christian life you're going to be weird yeah that's cool and, and that's fine you know like keep christianity weird you know <laughs> christianity is the only uh punk rock left it is it's the only yeah but yeah, so there's all these uh, mindsets that want to kind of take control. We want to be, uh, you know, of course, everyone knows life is all about having status and prestige and success in your career. Everyone knows that, right, Pastor John? Well, the world knows that. Aha. Yeah. But, you know, Jesus says, hey, if you don't hate your life, you're going to lose it, right? You have to love me and the gospel and lay down yeah. your life, and then you'll actually find it. So. Yeah, well, everybody knows that, like, if it feels good in your heart, yeah. like, you know, you should just do it. That's right. And I'm here to applaud you and cheer you on. And, you know, if it's just follow your heart, right? The only thing to do in this world is to follow your authentic self. But then Jesus comes along and says, if any man would follow me, let him take up his cross and deny yeah. himself. Um, yeah. And, and it's, it's such a weird, interesting truth is that the more you follow your heart and you do whatever culture does, the more kind of empty and broken we end up feeling. But the more we die to ourselves, the more dignity we have mm -hmm. and the more joy we have in our lives and the more we see joy in the lives of others. You really can't live unless you die. So <laughs> how, do, how do we fight against that? What's the effective way to fight against the cultural 
uh, against God tides? So I think that one, th- one important thing is just to be around God's means of grace and his means of grace in the church, you know, are the, the word of God preached and the sacraments. And so we have a life shaped around worship because when we come to worship, we're going to get a message that's not of this world. It's going to mm. be countercultural. It's going to be different. Being in Christian community is important. I also think that just being really good students of the Bible, like we know our scriptures and we know them because as we're reading the scriptures, we're reading the story that we're part of that's not of this world. And once again, it doesn't mean evacuate us, get us to heaven. Right. No, it means that God owns this world. He's renewing it. We're not part of the old age, the old way of doing things, organized rebellion against God. Yeah. So we're going to consciously align our values, our time, our habits with the kingdom of heaven. Bingo. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So let's talk about the second one. Which one do you want to do next? Flesh or the devil? Let's do flesh first. Okay. Yeah. So by flesh, Pastor John, do we mean um, like we should be fighting against our bodies, maybe whipping ourselves into shape or something like that doesn't mean that we need to escape our bodies. Right, yeah, yeah. so it doesn't mean that this kind of soft, fleshy stuff that covers our bones. Right, is that what we mean by flesh, like my knee? Right, That's, it can mean that, that word in the New Testament can mean that, like the word became flesh. We talk about Jesus' incarnation. Uh, but that is not what the Apostle Paul means when he says, you know, the works of the flesh mm-hmm. or this, um, the, uh, he uses desires of the flesh. Desires yeah. of the flesh. Yeah. And Jesus, so Jesus uses this too, right? Desires of the flesh, I think. Yeah. And, and it, it, what it means is not that soft meaty part of your body. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not your humanity even. It's not right. being human because that's a good thing. In fact, it's so good that the son of God became human. And so Martin Luther in, I can't remember where in the Lutheran confessions, he says, we have to keep these things completely separate, worlds apart. Humanity, even our desires, even our appetites are all in and of themselves good, but they have become corrupted by sin. So we have to keep human nature, being human, everything that comes with being human, eating, sex, you know, Work, work, yeah, all those you know, exercise, exercise, all those things are good human things. Nothing wrong with it. God created all things good, and they should be received with thanksgiving within His proper boundaries. But we have this other thing called sin that has infected our humanity, and that sin is sort of a parasitic force. Um, It ruins everything, and and it makes good things be used in the wrong way. And so, really, by flesh, we're not talking about our humanity, we're talking about impulses that are not under the, the Holy Spirit's leading. So think, for example, about a, um, think, for example, of your instinct to eat. That's a good instinct. We're, we're hungry. But what does it look like for that instinct to be ruled by the Holy Spirit so that we're not overeating yeah. or just <coughs> making food an idol versus, uh, just we just follow whatever impulse we have. Yeah. So maybe we would um, 
fall into like gluttony, gluttony with that, or yeah. we would fall into anorexia or some kind of disorder. Some kind of disorder related to our relationship with a good gift of food. Yeah. Or, of course, sexuality is, is one where, you know, when Paul talks about the desires of the flesh, that's often what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. He's talking about this kind of pagan, Greek, Roman immorality where, you know, there was no boundaries whatsoever with sexuality, very much like our culture. And, and Paul's saying, hold up, the desire itself is good within God's boundaries, with God's blessing, which actually leads to our dignity and our flourishing. But when we just follow whatever impulses, I mean, gosh, imagine if everybody in the world just followed every impulse they had at any moment. It'd be chaos. And that's what Paul's talking about. He's talking about just following urges, impulses, desires without the Holy Spirit's influence and governing. Uh, So really, to sum it up, the flesh is sinful nature. And I actually like that translation better in the E, the ESV says flesh because it's very literal to the Greek word, mm-hmm. but the NIV says sinful nature. And I, I like that better because it protects us from trash talking our human nature. Yeah. So I think if we're going to fight against that, right, I think it's, it's the image of God, right? Jesus is the image of God. He is that human doing mm-hmm. it perfectly right. Right. And so we're going to pattern our lives off of his physical pattern of life, which is right. service, love, truth, mm-hmm. uh, resurrection. Yep. He's not ashamed to be called a brother, mm-hmm. so there's nothing wrong with humanity. However, he is not caving to any sinful desire. Right. So, yeah, that, I mean, it, and I think this is the one probably most of uh, us are mo- most familiar with, because it's like, yeah, I know what that's like. I live with kind of a, a, uh, a monster. <laughs> yeah, we all yeah. do. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. And and if you are a Christian, you're going to know your flesh pretty well. Right. I mean, if you're not a Christian, you might only know it by giving into it all the time because there's not a battle there. Yeah. There might be a battle when it's inconvenient. Like, look, I'm not going to do this thing because it's going to be socially unacceptable yeah. Or it's going to make cause consequences, cause consequences yeah. get me arrested. <clears throat> so, uh, but for the, the Christian, I, and that's why I've said before that only Christians are truly tempted, like truly tempted at the core. Yeah. When it, like a war waged against our relationship with God. Yeah. And, and really it is, you know, I love First uh, Corinthians says, you know, your body mm-hmm. is not for sexual immorality. It's for the Lord. Yeah which is such an amazing shift. It's like, and there he's addressing that one sin, but it's like, no, your body was not designed for sin right? or rebellion. Your body is designed for the Lord and his purposes. And so I think seeing that more and more will help mm-hmm. you understand, okay, there's desires that just can't be, I cannot in, indulge. I just can't. Yeah, and not even in actuality, but even in our minds. That's right, yeah, yeah. We can't nurse those types of things. Yeah, Yeah, one good grace, too, and when we're fighting against our internal forces, is to remember and rejoice in the fact that one day there'll be no more. And I I really like to emphasize that for people. Because there's going to be a day when you're not going to have any internal sin motivation. And man, you're going to be free we are all kind of fractured selves, right? We have these di- this division between, like Paul says, the good that I want to do and that I don't do and the evil that I don't want to do that I end up doing. 
and we live as kind of fractured yeah. personalities a bit and we long for that day in the new creation in the restoration of all things at the resurrection when there will be no discrepancy between what the spirit desires and what we do and yeah. that's a great <coughs> message of hope um and 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 it really affirms our bodies because within that same uh context of sexual immorality for example in first corinthians paul says and the lord will raise our bodies yeah right you're good point yeah i you know it makes me think of um i just watched the lord of the rings with my kids for the first time yeah and uh golem that character golem yeah. uh and schmeagle like schmeagle's kind of like the the repentant one you know he's yeah, like right. i want to just be a normal human and serve my master and then golem's like it's my precious yeah <laughs> And we've all got a golem inside of us. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, and, you know, honestly, the, the sinful nature doesn't get any better in this age. It's, it doesn't get any better. Yeah. You just get better at putting it to death. The spirit gives you more leverage and strength in holding its head under the water. Yeah, and I yeah. would even say the spirit tips you off quicker that you need to come to Christ. Yeah. You know, like, hey, you're in trouble. Go to Christ. Yeah. Good. Okay, so that's the flesh. We, we mean the sinful nature within us. So the world, the flesh, and now um, the devil. Yeah. And so now, And now I've got all these 80s songs in my head. <laughs> yeah. Is it, is it Van Halen? Run with the devil? Running with the devil. Oh, yeah, Van Halen is running with the devil. Yeah. But we don't want to... Shout at the devil is another one. Right. I don't remember. Could do a whole sermon series yeah, on scorpions this. Or I don't know. Scorpions, yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty bad stuff. So, yeah, yeah let's, let's uh, talk about the devil. Um, yes. I, I do like the quote. I don't know where it came from, but the greatest trick the, that the devil played on the world is, is that uh, he doesn't exist. It's convincing the world he doesn't exist. Yeah, and it's easy maybe to think that he doesn't exist because we there's such cute caricatures of him, you know? I mean, yeah. so so we have like, the guy in the tights, the red tights with the pitchfork and the little devious smile and the horns and, you know, there's Mustache. even, yeah, even, even costumes for kids, you know, oh, you little devil, yeah, you know, and the little cape and yeah. And, you know, C.S. Lewis at the beginning of his book, the Screwtape Letters, great book, by the way, he, you know, C.S. Lewis is a very intellectual, thinky person. And as he thinks about the question of, of the devil, he says that, that he has two strategies. One is to have us think too much about him, to be too interested in him. So this would be sort of voodoo, Ouija board, psychics, mediums, the occult, Satan worship, you know, um, that kind of Luci stuff. Luciferian all that. Yeah. Yeah. Anything that's, that's new age. Yeah. But then he can also wreak havoc on our lives by making us give no thought to his existence. Be like, oh, we're modern people. We don't yeah. believe that. That guy. Oh, come on. That's like an African problem now. <laughs> it's not this continent. Yeah. Because if you go to Africa, that first problem's real. Yeah. Like I've heard missionaries talk about how like, you know, I'm a missionary and day one of the job, somebody says, I need you to do an exorcism, right. <laughs> you know, because a witch doctor cursed me yeah. and my family. We don't typically have those issues in 
the United States of America, but is Satan at work? I believe so, but in a more subtle way. Yeah. Well, and I would, I, I don't know. I mean, you and I have both, and th- maybe this is another podcast, but we've both had experiences that will, you know, put the hair up on, on the back of your neck. Yeah. And so I would say is, you know, did the demons just, they don't like it when it's cold in Nebraska, you know, like that's not, no, of course not. Like, but maybe we are slow to recognize them and they're not maybe as overt because it's a better strategy to be under the radar. Yeah. Right. Right. To be under the radar because, you know, I think that one of the things that we often do as Western modern people is we like to compartmentalize things. So, we might say, why are you having this issue in your life? Now, some Christians would say, it's the devil, <laughs> but they don't give any thought to maybe other issues like maybe diet or, or you know, medication needed. Sinful or flesh issues. Sinful maybe, flesh yeah. issues or just environment and, yeah. and up- upbringing. But then other people just want to say, no, this is just because of your genetics or it's just because of your upbringing or it's just because mm-hmm. of whatever. Yeah. And as Christians, we don't want to compartmentalize things. It's kind of like, why does somebody get a cold? Well, maybe you shook hands with the wrong person and you also haven't been sleeping well and you also uh, haven't been eating well or exercising and all those things combine to make you sick. So it's not the devil tormenting you possibly. Well, but my point is, is that when we experience chaos in our lives, the chaos of sin, you know, is it Satan? Well, maybe, but maybe it's also this factor and that factor. You know, I think all these things come together in a cumulative way, the world of flesh, the devil, and what you ate for dinner last night, you know, all of that, all those factors kind of weigh on us. Well, let, I think the devil has a particular calling card too, and that's deceiver, right? Yeah, so Diablo so is two-tongued. Yeah, that is, so there's a couple different names. So yeah. the New Testament, uh, Diabolos, is mm-hmm. is the word in Greek where we get the word diabolical, mm-hmm. and that does mean deceiver. And then in the Old Testament, it's this character in Hebrew called uh, the Satan, mm-hmm. and the Satan is the adversary. Yeah, and he's rarely mentioned in the Old Testament except for Job, and then a couple instances. He shows up in chapter three, you know, um, with God. Genesis. Yeah, a yeah, serpent or in Revelation described as a dragon. And so we have these different images that we use for Satan or the devil. But what we're talking about is this s- dark spiritual force that is also personal. It's in rebellion. Yeah. So it's not like the force from Star Wars that's impersonal, but there's a there's an actual person. Personal evil. Yeah, personal evil that has agency and... Yeah, spirit, yeah, yeah. And he's fallen angel. And we can also look in, you know, Ephesians says, we don't fight against humans, flesh and blood, mm-hmm. but we fight against these other principalities and these evil forces in the heavenly places, meaning kind of invisible to our eyes, spiritual forces. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, what do we do with that? You know, how do we fight against this kind of force? Or how do we even recognize its power around us? I I think, you know, first of all, just being aware of it, you know, that you are in a spiritual battle, being aware of it. And, you know, I think modern people, it's easy for us to not even factor Satan into the picture. 
And maybe that's because we've had abuses in the past in the church where, gosh, we blame not getting a parking spot on the devil. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or, or if you trip and stub your toe. It's mm-hmm. like, I think we need to just be aware of, of Satan's work. I think it's one of the, the biggest, um, I don't know if the word is let down of secularism, is that secular you know, culture has never really been able to give a good reason for evil, where evil comes from and what evil is. And if they do, it always ends up harming our, sinful, our, our human nature. It makes being human a bad thing. Hmm. You know, that this is just in our genes to, yeah. to be, you know, immoral. <laughs> Doggy dog. Kind Doggy of dog, you know, yeah. red tooth and claw kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so let's just, let's, let's, let's not be secular and think that there's no spiritual forces against us. Let's not be, you know. Superstitious. Superstitious. And, yeah. But let's recognize that we are locked in a battle and that our enemy is not neutral. Like mm. he desires our shame and our vice and our... To devour us. To devour us. Yeah. yeah. I, a, a friend of ours, uh, he did your wedding actually, but uh, Professor Reek, Dirk Reek at Concordia Seward, he used to describe Satan as uh, a spider because spiders don't kill the dead things they suck the juices from the living <laughs> and mm. I thought that was really good and this is kind of like satan what he does is he basically spurs on our human nature and our natural distrust of god and our culture's forces he's just right there just kind of pushing our buttons to to drink the kool-aid right yep and yeah. then he'll blame us and drive us to despair and you know, this is a, you know, Judas is a good example of this in that he was driven to do what was wrong. Satan entered him. He was driven to not confess to Christ. He was driven to destroy himself. Yeah. And Satan doesn't care how it happens, but he just wants you to lose faith and die. He really is. He's evil. literally trying to kill your faith. Yeah. And and so, and I think that we see the work of Satan all over, you know, when, when whenever you see unbelief and sin, you know, that I think that Satan's involved in this, yeah. and along with the world and the flesh. So, you know, Satan, if you look in, this, in the Gospels, also in the Old Testament, in Genesis, what's he doing? He's twisting God's word. He's twisting God's word. And so one thing that I thought was interesting uh, is what if, you, what if the devil was teaching you something, like the devil's catechism? Sometimes I, I do this for confirmation students or new members, what would the devil t- try to convince you about God? Oh, I could tell you. Yeah. Yeah, the Ten Commandments. No big God deal. is whatever you want him to be. Yeah. Um, use God's name for your own benefit, however it serves you best. Don't honor any authority except yourself. Yeah. Um, Sunday's optional. Yeah. What, I mean, it's take, you know, God will understand. Yeah, he gets it. And what's, what he's going to do, a deception is, you know, an outlandish deception, like even God doesn't exist. Isn't that much of a threat to us? But God is who you think he is. Yeah. I mean, it, when you mix truth with a little bit of truth with the lie, that the lie becomes much stronger. Yeah, I think that's a good point, that this, the, the subtleness is important. Uh, I've heard it said as organized deception, deceit, mm. you know, because... Um, 
man, error always looks a little bit like truth. Yeah. You know, and and it pulls on our hearts and and before we know it, um, we get duped. Yeah. So how can we be in battle against all these things? I'm going to give a couple thoughts in closing. One thought is just the relationship that we have to the church is so important that, you know, because how does uh, a lion find its prey easily? Well, mm-hmm. if you get a weak, a weak animal that's straying from the, the pack, if, you, if, if Satan can get you to, to not be in part of the church community, if he can get you to absence yourself from the community of God's people, man, that's not good. Mm-hmm. So, so really just be in the communion of the saints, be in the fellowship of God's people, devour his word, um, receive the Lord's Supper. Um, another thing I'd say, one of the most powerful weapons against the world, the flesh, and the devil is the sword of the Spirit, you know, to know the word of God because as you see Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, uh, he quotes scripture. And by the way, the devil does too. Mm. <laughs> the devil quotes scripture. Yeah. Twist truth, but then Jesus quotes it even better. He quotes it truly, rightly. Um, I think prayer is important that we would just be continually in prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. But then finally, this is one that I don't think that we practice as much as we ought, and it's accountability. And that might look like confession, going yeah. to a pastor and confessing your sins. Because when you bring something that's dark into the light, you can't hide. And sin does its best work in the darkness. Um, yeah. I think uh, all of those things are really good. You know, you, you're preaching a sermon today on confession and absolution mm-hmm. and how, yeah, dragging those sins into the light, the devil flees. You know, I like rebuke the devil, he will flee. Yeah. And I think that is where we need to be. I think memorizing scripture, mm-hmm. you know, there's one thing, um, yeah, you memorize scripture, it sticks with you and the spirit brings it to mind when you're yep. being tempted. Yep. Uh, and so. don't just get the gist of it. Get the, get the words down because you're going to need them. I think the catechism's good too, mm-hmm. to have portions of that memorized. Like, you know, I've had times in my life where one of the things I'm tempted by is, is wondering, man, does God really love me? You know, am I, Am I truly a Christian? You know, sometimes in my Christian life, I've had that struggle. And not everybody has that struggle, but it's one that I have. And, and I love the words of Luther's small catechism. He redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me, you know, not with silver or gold, but with his own innocent suffering and death, you know, that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom. When you have those kinds of words on your heart, they're a pretty strong weapon. Yeah. They, they get to be who you are. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, Luther, he would often say, like, you have to become a preacher, you know, like preach, preach, to, yourself. preach to yourself, preach to the devil, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, remind the devil of his condemnation and his yeah. lies, throw his lies in his face. So, yeah, I think that there's a good opportunity for a, maybe a Christian heavy metal band to <laughs> do like a cover called preaching to the devil (laughs) when are we gonna start making 80s music videos together i don't know maybe maybe right now
All right. Well, yeah. we can go in my garage and go. set something up. All, all right. right. <laughs> hey, peace. well, God's peace be with you all. Um, remember, Jesus wins, and the devil is condemned already. So throw that in his face. See you next Amen. time.